Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. This is a 15-week study of Who Holds Forgiveness. The word forgiveness brings different emotions to each of us. Join us as we dig deeper into who holds forgiveness. Here's Jacqueline. Uh, we started with not women inseparable. We started this Who Holds Forgiveness study 10 weeks ago. We are officially on week 10. Crazy. Uh, when we were first sitting down to do this study, we are going to do a study on the book of Mark. And we started in Mark and we did a lot in Mark. And then we went to the Old Testament and then we went back to the New Testament. We're going back into Mark today. I encourage you that your personal challenge with this particular topic that we're going to do today is to look at Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10, and Mark chapter 14. We will not be doing all three today, but the same word is in all three of these chapters. There's your personal challenge. You will find this word in Matthew as well. You'll find it in 2 Corinthians as well. We might be in the scripture quite a bit today. Um, we will be specifically in Mark 14 today. This is where we're going to sit. But for your personal challenge, if you want to take this further in a way that you and the Lord are needing it to go, go to Mark 9, Mark 10, Mark 14. And then if you want to challenge yourself, peek into Matthew, peek into 2 Corinthians. Sound good? If you really want to jump off, Go into the Old Testament, it's there too. But we're going to focus in the New Testament, specifically in Mark. Let's open in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Every one of us has at least, at least one, at least one praise that when we think of your name, we think of that sentence, that God of who you are, that strength in which you demonstrate that love that you pour out, that wisdom that you pour within us the son that you gave us, the very son who came and died and rose again. Father God, that alone is the praise on which we stand. It's why we're here. It's his love that allows us to be completely connected fully and always to the heart of God. Oh, above all praises, that's our praise. Father God, we all have a prayer in our hearts as well this morning. We all have a prayer. And I pray right now that you will hear, hear the words to that prayer, hear the silence to that prayer, the sigh to the prayer, the depths of that prayer. Father God, I pray for girlfriends who are struggling. I pray for moms whose heart are broken. I pray for grandmas who are holding their grandchildren, holding their hearts. I pray for wives. I pray for employees. I pray for those looking, looking for that job so desperately. I pray for those that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray salvation upon that name. Father God, we have so many prayers, and you know every single one of them. Help us to trust. Help us to lean and help us to acknowledge you in all our ways, knowing that you above all will make everything straight. Lord God, we open Mark 14 before you today and ask you to open our eyes and show us the way that you would have us to go personally, individually, in our walk with you. Grow us, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Mark, Mark 14. Now your prayers are held. Do you know that? That prayer that you share, that prayer that we don't share, it's held. 
we're talking about who holds forgiveness. We know God holds our forgiveness. But just a little side note, a little freebie fun fact, God's holding your prayer. Whether you express it to the ear of another human or not, God's holding that prayer. Know that God is with you in that prayer. He's with you. And I do encourage you share that prayer because when you share that prayer, any prayer, all your prayers, when you share it, you're no longer alone. You're no longer alone. You're no longer alone. You get your strength from that person that you shared that prayer request with and you can stand side by side in it and you won't let Satan in. Sometimes when we're sitting in a a prayer, Satan wants to get in and he makes it all twisted and weird. Have you ever experienced that? God's like, you bring, you bring it into my light and I will make it visible and the darkness can't even stand against my light. Share your prayer request. I had a girlfriend share a prayer request with me last night and it's heavy on my heart. And maybe that's why I want to share, share your prayer, share your prayer, because when you share your prayer, we get to gather nothing, nothing more strong than standing among women, gathering around another woman. It's power. Prayer is power. Don't ever forget. Prayer is power. It is not our topic of conversation today. It's just a topic on my heart. Your prayers are held. Let them be. Mark chapter 14. We are going to focus on verse 3 and move down, but we'll enter into uh, the chapter so we can visualize what's going on. Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, It was now two days before the Passover. So we know what time of year it is. It was now two days before the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him. Him is a pronoun. Obviously, we could put in the name of who he belongs to. And this is Jesus, God's son in the flesh, walking among us, as John 1, 1 tells us. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and to kill him. So you see what's happening. You see what the calendar looks like. You know what the weather is like outside. We know the scene in which we are existing and the hatred that is surrounding Jesus. Verse 2, it says, For they said, the priests, which is fascinating, the religious people of the day, were saying, end quote, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. Crazy, crazy the words that the children of God, the chosen ones of God were expressing in the privacy of their homes, expressing to one another, we need to kill him. We need to kill him quietly, quickly, but not during this calendar time. This is the plotting that's going on. Jesus knows, does he not? Jesus knows. We see this in Mark 10. He knows the conversations that are going place. Even when his ears aren't in that conversation, Jesus knows. Jesus knows there's a plotting against his flesh on the cross. Jesus knows. This is what's going on. You know, we, have a, we don't know, but we have an insight of what the emotions are that Jesus is feeling at this time. He was raised in Jerusalem. He was raised in the Jewish custom. He knows it's time for the cross. There's always someone on the cross every year. It's tradition. And he knows the plan of God. He knows the time has come. He knows it's his time. 
his body's time, the pain time to get up on that cross. He knows the emotions that were going on inside of Jesus in the flesh. I can't wrap my head around. We have an insight in that when we go through hard times, we know emotions. We know how overwhelming they can be. But to even enter our 10% knowledge of how hard an emotion is into the very heart of Jesus in the flesh, I don't know if we could ever wrap our head around that. That's where Jesus was, where his thoughts were, where his prayer life was, where his emotions were, how his body was responding. I'm curious because he was in the flesh, was he not? And sometimes when we are going through strong emotions, sometimes our body responds. You ever notice that? Oh, I'm not stressed. (laughs) I am perfectly fine as our body is like crying out. Well, you just sit down and stop. And we just keep going and going and going. Our bodies tell us you've got to stop. I'm curious if Jesus's body was responding to the emotions that were in his heart. I don't know. But he was full of emotion. Verse 3. And while he, and there's our precious pronoun, there's our Jesus. And while Jesus was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, do you feel just the breath in that sentence? You know the emotions that are going around, the hatred that is going around, the emotions inside Jesus that is going within him. And here he is in a place of rest among people who love him in a position of breath. Isn't it nice to have a place where you just go? That door that you knock on, maybe even a door you don't even have to knock on. You just walk on in. And you sit on that couch and you plop up your feet and the emotion is still there. The story is still there. The stress is still there. The truth is still there, but you've got that breath. Do you see this story? Can you relate to this story? And while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the lepers, he was reclining at table. A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment, of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and she poured it over his head. Do you feel the emotion inside this woman that she's willing to get her most expensive thing and break it and pour it out? She understood who held her forgiveness. Verse 4. There were some, and I like the, the, the way Mark writes this. There were some who said to themselves, indignantly, that's the word. That's the word I pray we focus on today, that we see today, that we take as a personal challenge and see in Mark 9, that we take as a personal challenge and see in Mark 10, that we pop into the book of Matthew, that we pop into 2 Corinthians, that we embrace fully what the word indignant means. And you're like, I don't feel indignant toward people. It's a big word. It's a big word. We might say, well, we get mad. I got a little upset. Not indignant. Do you know if you put indignant to a sound, it would be a snort? 
fun fact. Have you ever been so boggled by somebody else that you couldn't even get your words out and all you did was? <laughs> Do you feel that emotion that just went through you? Not the laughter and the fun, like, okay, that, that's hysterical. But the truth of the matter, that person that's there that makes you want to not even say a word, you're just like, <clears throat> yeah, you felt indignation. We all know it. One point or another, we all know it. And here this woman comes in with a gift that she does what she wants to do with her gift and she gives it to whom she wants to give the gift to and there's people that are standing there, not religious leaders, mind you, disciples, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, standing there snorting at this behavior. You and I sit here and snort at the disciples. Let's continue on. Verse 4. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? Jesus knows the words that are spoken in our heart. He knows the words that cross our mind. He knows the words that come out of our mouth. He knows the sounds that we make when we don't even have the words to express. Jesus knows. Verse 5, for this ointment could have been sold for more than three hundred denarii and given to the poor. Do you know how religious we could be? Do you know what we could do with that gift that was given to Jesus? And they scolded her. But Jesus said in verse six, but Jesus said, leave her alone. Period. I wonder how many of us need to embrace that sentence and take that as words spoken over us as we offer our gift to Jesus. And I wonder how many of us need to write those words down when we look at other people who give their gifts to Jesus. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. You'll see a common reference at the end of Matthew where Jesus is talking to Peter and Peter says, I know I hear what you want me to do for you, Jesus, but what do you want John to do for you? And Jesus says to Peter, what is that to you? You follow me. Same thing. Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you could do good for them. She has done what she could, Jesus says. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, he says in verse 9, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told in memory of her. There's a whole heap of emotions going on, all of them. Did you feel one particular emotion in this story? There's a lot to choose from. Hold on to that emotion that you're feeling. Jesus was going through, seeing the whole bit, looking at the woman, hearing the disciples, knowing what's going on inside of him, knowing what's going on inside the Jews, inside the scribes and the Pharisees. He knows it all. And he erases it all. And he looks at the woman and he focuses on that woman and says, it's about her heart. It's about her heart. You might be indignant over what somebody is doing for Jesus. Get over it. 
But, but forgiveness, what she's doing to you, Jesus, is hurting me. Where is forgiveness in that situation, God? Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken that personal? When somebody does something for the Lord, and you're like, what that person is doing for the Lord is a personal attack against me and what I'm doing for the Lord. My ministry, God, is doing this for you, and that ministry, God, is doing that for you, and I don't like it. I don't like the difference. I want them to stop doing what they're doing the way they're doing it because I don't agree with it. I, I don't agree with what they're doing in the name of Jesus, God. And it makes me so mad. I see what they're doing in the name of Jesus and it makes me so mad. I would never serve you that way. I would never go to that place. I would never speak your name in that manner. I would never, I would never, I would never, I, 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 and we get so angry when people do things for the Lord when it's different than the way you do it for the Lord. And you take it as a personal attack and you're like, I can't even forgive them. And Jesus says, what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say? Because some of us are sitting here and we're thinking, but wait a minute, there are people that are doing things in the name of Jesus that are not right. Right? We see that all throughout the whole letters. We see this in Jude and Titus and Revelation. Are you God is the end sentence. That's the question. God holds forgiveness. God will take care of that church, that pastor, that person, that situation. God. God knows the heart. God knows when a man is up there preaching in front of people without using the word of God. God knows the heart. Let him be the judge. You, you follow me. Don't let Satan put a plant, a seed, if you will, of indignation inside of you over what somebody else is doing for the Lord that it stops you for doing things to the Lord. That's what happens when we're indignant toward others. We get so focused on protecting Jesus. Remember, I am so guilty of this. I want to protect God. God has protected me my entire life. The goodness of God. You know that song? The goodness of God is running after me. I have felt the goodness of God my entire life. So I want to return his protection over me and protect him. It's sweet. It's innocent. We can't. That's not our job to protect God. God does not need our protection. He needs our, our heart to follow. And Satan, Satan is so good and so powerful and so quick to come to us and say, do you see what that person's doing over there? And while you're here pouring out your gift that is in your hand to give before the Jesus that has died for you and has risen again, and you're here so focused here, and that thought comes in of, huh, what are they doing? And your gift is still here, and it's still in your hands, and it's still before Jesus, and you're looking and seeing, huh. Satan wants us. Satan wants us so badly to join the crowd on the outside and judge the heart of the person that's giving the gift to Jesus. We can't judge the heart. We can't. We're not God. When we start judging the heart of somebody who's serving their Jesus in the way that they, as they are where they are, is serving their Jesus, then we are no longer giving from our heart and serving our Jesus. Does that make sense? We can't do both. 
We can't do both without this seed of indignation burning inside of us. And it may be just a little bit, maybe just just a trifle of an emotion inside of us. But if we don't squash that particular seed of evil, ministries die that quick because of indignation. Ministries die that quick when indignation comes in. Friendships die that quickly when indignations come in. Marriages die that quickly because woman says, well, my man doesn't worship God the way I woman worship God. Good. You know why? Because God created woman and God created man. Two different things. So when we're sitting there as women responding with our emotion to the God who loves us, and we look at our man who is not responding in emotion to the God who loves him, perfect. It's perfect. That's a different topic. I like talking marriage. Let's focus on indignation. Let's not, let's not let that come in. So what do we do? What do we do when indignation does come in? And be honest about it. You're like, I, I, I've been there. I've been there. And some of us could say, I've been there. I've seen what comes from that. And I've learned from it. And it's over. And I'm stronger because of it. Some of us are in the midst of it. And we're like, oh, I know what that indignation is. I have that toward this person. And every time I go to serve Jesus, all I keep thinking is, well, that person is, is doing it wrong. And we're no longer serving Jesus the way God has asked us to serve Jesus because all we can do is serve Jesus with what's in our hands. It's all we can do. It's all we can do. We can only serve Jesus where our feet are. It's all we can do. We cannot serve Jesus the way everybody serves Jesus. It's you. It's you. It's you and Jesus. That's it always. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. When you do start worrying about it, that indignation comes in, and then you start thinking, well, she owes me an apology. <laughs> Remind yourself very, very quickly, who holds forgiveness? It's the answer kind of stops all the things. But then we could look back to Mark 10, and this is, this is where it comes practical. wasn't sure if we were going to get to Mark 10 today, but we're going to get to Mark 10. Indignation happens in Mark 10. And it happens because of this. I'm going to summarize this passage. Mark 10. It goes, James and John are brothers, brothers, disciples, followers of Jesus. They're together in ministry. And how precious is that when you follow Jesus side by side with your sister? It's precious. When you and your brother get to team up, when you and your, your cousin, when your, when your person, your like literal family member is walking with Jesus with you, that's cool. That's really, really cool. James and John are together following Jesus. And Matthew brings their mother into this conversation as well. So that's a fun parallel passage to read. And they go to Jesus and they ask a request that's on their heart. So they are asking a request from their heart to their Jesus. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked a request that was on your heart and asked it to Jesus for Jesus's ears to hear? Would you ever have that question that you lay to Jesus and think, I'm so comfortable sharing this boldness of this question to Jesus, but if anybody else heard me say these words to Jesus, I wonder what they would think. But you're talking to Jesus. 
and you're telling Jesus, this is, this is, this is my heart. You already know it. And I'm just going to say it. Here's my heart. Here's my, my wish. Here's my request. Here's my desire. Here's what I want. And you lay your words before Jesus. This is what James and John and James and John's mother is doing. They had a request and they were laying the request before Jesus. Well, people heard this request and they were indignant about this request. They were indignant about this request. They did not like hearing what James and John were asking. And James and John were asking, can we sit next to you in heaven? And you're like, oh, how dare they ask such a brazen question? I ask Jesus questions all the time. May I open scripture before women today? That's a brazen question to ask my God. Who am I? Who am I to be like, God, I want to sit and talk about you in front of people. <laughs> Think about that. That's a brazen question. That's a really brazen question. Sometimes we ask Jesus if we could do things. And if other people heard what we wanted to do, they would be shocked and awed. And who do you think you are? I would never ask God if I could do this gift for him. Indignant. Oh, how this happens in the world of women, doesn't it? It happens. And can I say, I felt it on both ends. It comes in so easily. May we focus on what's in our hands and lay that before Jesus. And Jesus says, here's what you do. When indignation comes into your heart, it is not a topic of forgiveness. I think this is very interesting to me. When I am reading through this passage, I feel like they should be talking about forgiveness. James and John should be asking for forgiveness for asking such a brazen question to his, their God. And the disciples should be asking for forgiveness for being indignant about somebody else's request to God. I feel like forgiveness should be washed all over it, and it's not here. There's a word that is here, however. There is an action that is here, however. There's a do something about it. Are you ready? A woman of emotion. Verse 41, it says, And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. They saw what they said to Jesus, and they got mad at it. Verse 42, and Jesus called them, called the 10 to him and said these words to them. And I use the number 10, but they were all there. James and John heard these words. Matthew and Peter heard these words. They all were here hearing these words. And these were Jesus's words about indignation among the body of Christ, among those who wanted to pour their gift before Jesus. He said these words, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. You know how others behave. And you know that their great ones exercise authority over them. You know their power and their position and their stature. You know it because you see it. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. 
This is not a topic of forgiveness. It's not a topic that you sit and sulk in. It's a topic that you stand up and do something about it. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. What does he say when indignation comes into your heart when ministry is at stake? What do you do when indignation comes to your heart when you're looking at somebody else pouring out a gift of broken perfume over the body of Jesus Christ? What do you do when you get jealous or mad or angry or emotion over somebody else's gift to Jesus? What do you do? You serve that person today. Uh, is there another option? Can't I just forgive them? Serve them. Serve that person. Like, oh, how? I don't know. I don't know. Because that person's going to be different for every one of us. Which means if you need to serve that person that's causing indignation in your heart because your ministries are different, your gifts are different, your talents are different, your people are different, your maneuvers are different, you need to figure out how to serve that person. You know what that means? You get to now be a student of that person. Steady them. And how beautiful it is to steady a person without judgment. Because when your indignation is rising inside of you, all you're doing is judging them. You know nothing about them. You're just judging them. And if you're called to serve that person that's taking you away from serving Jesus in your sweetest capacity, and you need to serve that person, you need to figure out what that person likes, what that person cries about, smiles about, prays about curious if we go to that person and say, do you have a prayer request that I can pray with you about? But I don't agree with that person. So pray with them. It's a great way to start serving, isn't it? Fascinating. Fascinating. Perhaps right there is our answer. How do I serve as someone that I don't agree with when it comes to their gift to Jesus? Pray for them. Pray for them. Hold their prayer request. Because when you know somebody's prayer request, a little bit of understanding comes into play. Oh, I didn't know your child. Fill in the blank. I didn't know your marriage. Fill in the blank. I didn't know your health. And it gives you a little bit of understanding. Oh, we're not, we're not against each other, but we're f both for Jesus. Let me hold your prayer request. Serve. Serve. It's not a matter of who owes who an apology or who needs to change the way they give their gift to Jesus. It's not about that. It's about serve. Serve. You have an emotion that is swelling up inside of you and you need to figure out how to Get that out. You got your seed of evil. You got that evil, that seed of God. Contrast conversation we talked about last week. Conquer that. That's homework, isn't it? Anybody else practice that homework this week? It's a good challenge. Good challenge. Here's your other one. Indignation. Be honest about it. Be honest about it. I do. I do have the emotion of indignation toward another person that's serving Jesus. I do. Call it out. Call it out. And then serve, serve.
Huh. Welcome to Women Inseparable. Who holds forgiveness? You want to get real. You want to demonstrate the fact that you know that God holds your forgiveness. Serve somebody else. Serve. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for calling us to be servants. Now, that word is a tough word. That word is a hard word. For some of us, it's so easy. We hear the word serve and our hearts just swell up with joy because we get to do it again. I think of women like Kristen Ward, who just, just serves with such love and such admiration of who you are. Serve. There's some of us that hear the word serve and we associate serve with pain and we don't want to do it. And Satan comes in so quickly and so easily and he says, I want you to judge each other's service and I want you to judge each other's worship and I want you to be against one another. And you say, Heavenly Father, together, together worship me. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for being servant of all. We thank you for coming and taking on the form of a servant. We thank you for taking on our sins. We thank you for taking on the cross. We thank you for taking on death. We take, thank you for taking on life anew, for resurrecting and telling us to just simply follow you. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us gifts gifts that are in our hands to do only and always for you, Jesus. Help us to focus so fully on the gift that you have given us to give to you and not on the gift of others. Help us to serve. Help us to hold one another in prayer and to press forward to the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WIOnline. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.